0: Let us call each other to this time and place as we seek the ground of our being. So when invited to respond, I ask you to respond with me. I am arriving. Together, we arrive. We are here in body and yet we are still arriving. When we left our homes this morning, we left behind list, lists, coffee, Household tasks, family members, and even pets. All of these await return. I am arriving. Together we arrive. Some of us don't remember the last time we had a quiet moment to ourselves, and yet we have chosen to be here together to tend our souls and to one another. I am arriving. Together, we arrive. In the days since we've last met, some of us have been changed, while others are inviting change to take place within them. Some of us have experienced loss. We've lost things, we've lost opportunities, or even people dear to us. I am arriving. Together, we arrive. Some of us are fighting battles we can't even speak about. Others feel happy enough that we could have flown here with our own arms. We arrive not knowing quite what to expect, but finding comfort in that which is familiar. I am arriving. Together we arrive. On arriving will not happen all at once. As we settle in, we will find our way into togetherness, and in our own time, arrive. I am arriving. Together, we arrive. Come, let us enter this sacred time together.
1: Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Brian Pashigian. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm so glad that you're here this morning, whether you're in the room or joining us on Facebook. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag so that we can welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We love talking about why this community is so important to us, and we'd like to hear from you what you're looking for. We hope you'll join us after the platform service for cookies and coffee in the lobby and the social hall. Also, please consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet found at the welcome table. You can drop that sheet in the collection basket as it passes later in the service. We are especially glad to welcome, for the first time at West, Kristen Green. Kristen is a recent graduate of Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., May 2019, congratulations. She is the adopted daughter of two women who raised her in a su- suburb of Kansas City, Missouri. And Kristen transplanted to Washington, D.C. in uh, 2008 to earn a Master's of Arts in Women's Studies from the George Washington University. After completing her Master's, she decided to stay in the area and pursue nonprofit work. The continuing search for purpose led her to a- attend seminary. Kristen intends to spend this first year post-graduation working towards preliminary fellowship and ordination. She looks forward to sharing her time and talent as a musician, a poet, a lifelong learner, and a UU minister in formation. I want to invite you to check in on social media and then remind you to please silence your electronic devices so that you may be fully present with us this morning together. And now I invite Doug Miller to read our statement of purpose so that we may, might hear our shared values in each other's voices. Doug is a member of Wes's welcome team, embodying the work that Kristen will be talking about with us today. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith and human goodness, we appreciate each other's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you. As Doug lights our community candle, I invite you all to join me in our candlelighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of the children and adults in America who are victims of gun violence in mass shootings and instances of domestic violence and drug-related violence. Today as we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. and let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love.
0: Meditation, time to find your pulse, find your breath, find your stillness. We breathe together in this space, sharing the air with our neighbors in this room, those in the surrounding community, outside of this building, and even our ancestors throughout time. Our very breath is recycled. And our heartbeats, that heartbeat rhythm, is the first rhythm that we ever know. It's a life-giving rhythm. And we first experience it when we're inside our mother's bellies, suspended in liquid, when we have all that we need. So when we play this rhythm on a drum, it resonates on this animal skin stretched over this wooden frame. we play this heartbeat rhythm our bodies resonate with the bodies of this animal and this tree we play to honor that second life and to connect more deeply with the interconnected web of which we are all a part Play for the ancestors whose hearts beat still in our memory. we play to empower those around us. This is a powerful rhythm when played together and though you may not have a drum you do have Heartbeat, you do have a hand you could place over your heart or in your lap. I invite you to play this rhythm with me. Play it so some part of you vibrates with this rhythm. together breathing in peace breathing out love Thank you so much for that gift I don't know about you but I felt some fluttering in my body when I was listening to her it's so good to be with you this morning in this brave space that we've carved out of our week and it's no small act that folks gather in houses of worship and sanctuaries and religious education classrooms for the better part of a morning to spend time in fellowship together. Time is, after all, our most valuable resource, and we have chosen to spend it together. And this morning, we've already experienced a number of embodiment practices that turn our attention toward welcome. They help us pay attention to the ways that we embody our value of being welcoming people. In our greetings to one another as we found our seats or even entered the building. In our unison response that resonated with our journey. In our singing together, in our playing the heartbeat, in our breathing together, we train our bodies To come into a full experience of unity that can be life-giving and not limiting. We train our bodies so that we can find that energy again and again. And in our effort to embody our values, we have quite a few challenges to acknowledge along the way. And I know you're used to Reverend Amanda's point and counterpoint platforms, so I'm hoping this will also resonate with you. Let's take language as an example. Language is simultaneously embodied and disembodied. It comes out of our mouths or our hands as we speak or sign or write or type. What we say and how we say it matters. So much we can feel it in our bodies. My parents visited a meeting of a church last year and were greeted with the question, oh, where are you from? Which can mean a myriad of things. Could mean where were you born? Could mean where did you grow up? Or where do you currently live? Or where did you come for directly before here? The way the question often lands for me, or when it's further explained, when I say, what exactly do you mean, where are you from, actually means, what is your ethnicity, what is your cultural heritage, and what is that skin color? I need you to categorize yourself so I'm more comfortable and I know what to do with you. When they answered the question according to where they were currently living, the member responded in an attempt to be helpful and said, oh, did you know there's another church closer to you? Oh, they never came back. And they didn't actually go to that other church that was closer either. Now, this well-intentioned member, I I don't mean to place all the blame on their faux pas Asking the wrong question and how it landed, it happens to all of us. Our mind is often somewhere else, and what seems to be helpful is actually not. Who here has had the experience of being asked if they were new here, when they've actually been coming since 1993? Maybe you've been on the other side, feeling embarrassed and ashamed that you tried to welcome someone who's an active member and you just didn't put the pieces together. But a pro tip is that lifetime members, long time members need that welcome too. We are always arriving in new ways and we always need to be reminded that we are welcome here. Even if you've broken your vows a thousand times, it doesn't matter. Ours is no caravan of despair, come yet again, come. We need to be welcomed back again and again, back into covenant, back into community that continues to arrive with you again and again. But something I don't want to do is make a list of things to say and things not to say because Frankly, lists are not embodied practices. You don't absorb them into your blood and breath and bone until you feel the energy. So let's talk about the energy of words that mean similar things. The difference between I'm sorry and thank you is dramatic. Imagine how a culture of gratitude could shift and transform a culture of blame. Instead of saying, I'm sorry I'm late, you could say, thank you for your patience. Instead of saying, I'm sorry I made a mistake, you could replace it with, thank you for helping me grow. It shifts the energy of that conversation from a heavy tone to a lighter tone. And speaking of metaphor, we think in physical metaphors to help us make sense of our experiences. Metaphors about weight, like heavy or light, help us recreate those energetic sensations in our bodies. Metaphorical language paves the way, with metaphorical stones, of course, to embodied theologies of welcome. Have you ever felt that a speaker or a guest has said something that was over your head? We use that phrase to express something that feels outside of our physical ability to see or grasp it. It creates this feeling of uncertainty. Yet, when someone sings it, over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. You get a feeling of hope and faith in something that is still unseen, but like music or holiness is difficult to grasp. It's over our head in a different way. We say that we're warming up to an idea or to a person, indicating we're feeling comfortable or even affectionate. We understand happy as up and sad as down. We understand power as over and lack of power as under. We understand being on the shoulders of greatness to come with a level of strength and support and security, drawing perhaps from experiences being held as a child but we also tend to abuse our metaphors. We need gentle guidance on how to return back to right relations with one another. When we talk about dark times, do we consider what it communicates about dark skin? When we talk about standing on the side of love, do we consider different abilities and different ways of showing up on the side of love. When we talk about sisters and brothers, do we consider how that erases our trans and non-binary siblings? I read on your website that Wes identifies as a welcoming congregation recognized as such by the Unitarian Universalist Association. And this means that this congregation took explicit steps to ensure That it presents itself as welcoming and also maintains that commitment to its values. From the UUA website they write that in the 1980s and 90s the word welcoming became a code word for lesbian gay and bisexual people. In the Unitarian Universalist Association they launched the Welcoming Congregation Program to help us as a denomination, learn how to undo homophobia and later transphobia in our hearts and minds, our congregations, and our communities. They write, today most Unitarian Universalist congregations are recognized welcoming congregations. The spiritual practice of welcome is very important one to our faith community. Now listen, I love this faith. And I love this effort, but the way we report history is so disembodied sometimes. I get that it's hard to include all the stories of the human encounters in a brief summary or an introduction paragraph, but where in this is the body? We've got our hearts and minds. We've got our congregational bodies and the broader communities, but where is the bodily experience? What about the bodies of the folks who've been placed at the center of this welcoming congregation project? We have to look deeper to remember where the actual bodies are involved. In 1987, the UUs started to put it on the books that the lived experience of these folks in LGBTQ+ communities did not match the conventional commitments as laid out in our principles and values there was a noticing happening that there was a, an imbalance telling the stories of our bodies when we do not feel welcome is something that's very hard to do it takes courage takes a risk of being further rejected. So in 1989, folks used their bodies to cast a vote at General Assembly that launched the Welcoming Congregation Program to guide our congregational bodies back into right relationship. Bodies continued to wrestle with this right relationship. There were updates made in 1995 and again in 99, 2002, and 2015 when they implemented a renewal program upon realizing that embodiment practices are never really done. Times change and we become more and more aware of the ways that we can be better. But there's nothing quite like change to stir up fear and anxiety in the body. Folks may sometimes describe that they're fe- they feel like they're walking on eggshells or even navigating landmines, trying to learn and relearn right relationship. I wanna name this as an abuse of embodiment metaphors. This is excessive and illustrates a defensive energy rather than true danger or struggle and it minimizes the bodily experience of others that you're trying to form a right relationship with. So you use struggling with this process of returning to covenant have no right to distance themselves from contemporary abuses of terms like witch hunt and lynching. Our language and our acceptance of language reflects our embodiment embodied engagement with the rest of the world so when we are troubled by these words that we hear and these reactions let us absorb that troubled feeling into our body so that we might be better internationally recognized author on embodiment Philip Shepherd Shepherd writes about recovering our senses In the 21st century, perhaps even coming to our senses. If you are divided from your body, you are also divided from the body of the world, which appears to be other than you or separate from you. He's saying that when you come into your body and begin to feel that interconnected web of which we are all a part you begin to see the continuum and you'll see that your own change of heart pulses through the body of the world and shows up in your relationships with your neighbors. But that pulse is a process. The pulse is not a destination. And even when we get some things right, there's this overwhelming fear pervading these conversations regarding issues of race and gender identity, sexual orientation, religious freedom, age, ability, and so many other critical aspects of people's identities were terrified of being wrong or being bad. Mickey Scott Bay Jones, who's known as a justice doula, I love that term, thinking of justice being birthed or ushered into being. She authored a reading that I've heard at racial justice workshops and small group ministries. It's entitled Invitation to Brave Space. Together we will create brave space because there is no such thing as safe space. We exist in the real world. We all carry scars, We've all caused wounds. In this space, we seek to turn down the volume of the outside world. We amplify voices that fight to be heard elsewhere. We call each other to more truth and love. We have the right to start somewhere and continue to grow. We have the responsibility to examine what we think we know, we will not be perfect. This space will not be perfect. It will not always be what we wish it to be, but it will be our brave space together, and we will work on it side by side. My colleague, Reverend Rob Keithen, the minister of social justice at All Souls just down the street, has referenced a really helpful metaphorical model that reframes how we give and receive gentle guidance back toward right relations. This model is J. Smooth's dental hygiene model. To paraphrase Smooth we have to stop thinking of prejudice the way we think about our tonsils we get them removed and that's it we don't have to worry about it again as if we could attend just one training on undoing racism and then we're done we're no longer capable of racism maybe even one powerful sermon can absolve us all of our disease now smooth suggests that fighting racism and any other form of oppression is more like how we approach brushing our teeth. We don't have clean teeth because we went to the dentist one time or because we brushed one time, but because we make a commitment to do it over and over again. And then, when someone says, hey, you've got a little something in your teeth, you don't say, no, I'm, I'm a good person. You say, oh, thank you. I'm going to go take care of that. I've been thinking about this metaphor for a couple weeks now, and you also don't ask somebody to help you get it out of your teeth. (laughs) That feels like an analogy of, please explain to me how I'm racist and help me get it out of my teeth. No, no, no. This is your work and you can come back and you say, is it better? Is it gone? And they can say yes. Or almost. But it's not their job. And we laugh about these metaphors because it's so relatable and you can feel it in your body. It removes us from this space of eggshells and landmines and creates this communal space, maybe not so dissimilar from a gender neutral bathroom, where we stand side by side, taking care of our human needs, washing our hands. And when someone says, hey, you got a little racism in your teeth, you say, oh, oops, I'm gonna take care of that, thank you. By the way, my name's Kristen. I use she, her pronouns. What about you? There's always an opportunity to be better. And we feel that relationship in our bodies. We feel discomfort and safety and fear and assurance and threats. We can communicate all those things, too. When I graduated from seminary, a friend and a colleague gave me this basket. And she said she hoped that it would serve as a symbol to remind me that as a minister, I too am a vessel, a container, a carefully crafted basket tasked with the art of gentle holding. And it's woven with, I think, 12 different colors of coated wire, and I love looking at the patterns and the connections that bring this basket together. I especially resonate with the spiral at the center. And I learned a little more recently about basket making while I was listening to the audiobook of Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. She describes that each strand of the basket, no matter what it's made of, It relies heavily on the other strands. The tension, the relationship, the pulling against one another is actually what keeps this basket together. And you might notice when I set it down, it's a little rounded at the bottom, just the nature of it. It tips and rolls when there's nothing inside of it. But when you add something with weight, like apples. It tends to balance out the basket and it holds these items more securely. And this balancing of the basket might be an unintended symbolism that came with her gift because it reminds me of this constant process of balancing and rebalancing ourselves, the art of holding ourselves and holding each other. Because we are like baskets, made up of many elements to create a whole. And even still, there's a larger whole outside of our wholeness. The patterns that are woven by our lives are made up of a diversity of elements, Varying degrees of connection. Some of the links are tight, where others are secure, yet they include artistic gaps. Perhaps we are meant to hold things, but we definitely have a limited capacity. And sometimes, finding our balance requires some heaviness. Like this multicolored basket, we're built and fortified by the diversity that is the body of the world. We are individual and we are one, part of a continuum. And as wobbly, imperfect beings, imperfect in our minds and our bodies and our spirits, we must approach each other with loving kindness and attention. Assuming positive intent when we are corrected, setting our privilege aside as often as we can, and being willing to take time to glance in the mirror and clear what, whatever might be in our teeth over and over again. Your commitment to being welcoming will show up first in your body. So pay attention. Because someone else is. Someone else is receiving the message that you are emitting with your energy. And as we close today, I offer these words of blessing and encouragement. May we strive to pay attention to the ways our bodies engage with justice work. May our striving be as nourishing and formative as our shortcomings, may our bodies resonate in harmony, both as we seek and as we are found. May it be so.
1: This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform, what resonated in our own lives. And I invite you to raise your hand, begin with your name, and perhaps you might share practice that you would like to try as a way to shift your attention towards welcoming.